0: well, it's another week it's another platform we're using, so I'm still getting used to use for the last two or three now I'm getting used to this one so we're using riverside fm today um because we had a, a few uh jiggery pokery things with uh, some of the other platforms so we thought we'd give riverside fm um a go and it's a, it's a really great platform so if you're looking for Um, podcasting uh, recording software that's great Uh, just that it's a little bit different with the um, with the countdown so it's six seconds and then uh, when you click on your video it's got this kind of preview button um, and the live button mine was on preview not live so we got cut off that's the reason why so that's my That's my uh, reasoning there. Um, If you don't know me by now, you should do. Uh, My name's Darren Winter. I'm I'm the host here of the Like, Click and Share podcast. And welcome to episode nine. We're talking today about influencer marketing. And uh, with us today, uh, we've got um, Emma Krause and we've got uh, a special guest, Fran. Um, And then we've got Gemma Walton. Hi, everyone.
1: So I'm Gemma, and we all work in marketing and communications, whether as business owners or freelancers, and we're here to talk you through the latest big topics in marketing and how they can grow your business, whether or not you're a freelancer, a business owner, or just interested in how marketing can help you.
2: I'm Emma. I'm always here to say thank you for listening for us, and uh, we hope that you find this podcast helpful and uh, supportive. So do give us any feedback. We love to hear your comments and your questions, and you can email us. You can find us in all the usual places on social media, via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and now on YouTube. Just search for Duco Digital. All the links for the show are in the show notes, and uh, we will definitely hook you up with Fran's Instagram page, The Only Girl in the Gap. All the links are in the show, so please don't forget to hit subscribe and you can automatically receive each episode.
0: Brilliant. Thanks very much. And so our special guest today, um, as I said, is Fran, Fran Lloyd, um, also known as, like Emma was saying, um, on Instagram as at the only girl in the gaff. So definitely have a, a click on the, the link in the show, uh, show notes. and um, Have a look at the Instagram profile. Um, Fran is an influencer marketer, and that's today's topic. Um, So we're going to talk about influencer marketing, what it is, what's the best way to set it up, why businesses should do influencer marketing, um, and some of the questions that people should ask first about using um, an influencer, and lots, lots more. So we've got loads of questions. But first of all, welcome, Fran. Thank you very much for your time.
2: Okay. Good to be here.
0: Great stuff. Um, Emma we're going to kick over to you with the questions
2: So I just thought first really um, you could tell us a little bit about How you came to use Instagram and your journey on it Because I'm not sure that you would describe yourself as an influencer Or maybe you would But, but yeah. I think it's a role you kind of It wasn't the why
3: you started to go on Instagram Definitely I did fall into influencing and working with brands Um, But that came a lot later. So the only Golden gas started because I had bought a house. We were renovating it and I was getting nowhere quickly. I was struggling, I couldn't make up my mind about anything. And funny enough, one of our mutual friends started um, on her Instagram. I had a private account which was just family, pictures, occasional um, shots of wine glasses, that kind of thing. And then she'd started up this, um, my house this month. Um, oh, yeah. And right. started doing this daily challenge. And I oh, thought, yeah. oh, that'd be good. That will be good inspiration. Each day there was something else you had to post. Tiles, rugs, something else. And I thought, right, I'm going to do this and follow it and get ideas. And then I started joining in. And I did it on my own private account for a bit. But I just thought, oh, well, this is a bit rubbish because... Not many people can see it. I'm not really, I'm posting things, but it's just friends and family. And I wasn't really connecting with the wider community of Instagram. So I set up a separate one, which was just about interiors. And that's where it started. And it just grew and grew and grew. And it has blown my mind and surprised me how much it has grown and what opportunities I've got from what started as Just a bit of inspiration turned into a platform that I have been able to work with amazing brands and um, and various money income, which has gone back into the house most of it as well.
2: And so, what does that journey look like? How kind of long does it take you to go from from like zero to, if you don't mind sharing? And, And how how much sort of time do you think you put into it?
3: Well, in the early days, it was really quite slow. And I learned a lot quite quickly from other accounts that I really loved. And I used to look at them and think, oh, what are they doing? How are they doing that? How they, um, how you look at the grid as a whole, but also the pictures. And I think right in the early days, it was before stories. It was before lives and then reels, obviously, mm-hmm. and IGTV. So it was very much just a grid. And IGTV... I look back at some of my early pictures and they really do make me cringe. Like, I'm just like, oh, what? Oh, that's horrible. Why well, I suppose and But it was still getting likes and reaching different people because it was, I think it was just, it was my journey. It was what I'd started off with, not the greatest interiors, not the greatest ideas. Certainly I wasn't using any apps to edit or anything, so it's very raw. And then I started editing over-editing, so that was really quite horrible and ghastly when you look back now. So, yeah, it was learning from different accounts what they were doing, stealing ideas sometimes, and then reading up a lot of blogs about what – so a lot of the accounts I followed would have a blog like um, Lisa Dawson and similar people where they would share, this is what you do, these are the apps I use, this is how you can get better lighting, this is how you can um, increase your reach. And so it was like a a big learning curve, and I think around – a year, 18 months in, it blew up from, I suddenly went from five, 6,000 to really growing really, really quickly. And up until about 35 40,000, that happened quite quick. But it had been quite a long learning curve about pictures and content and what I should be doing. And then suddenly it went, and then it slowed down again. It has been quite slow and gradual since.
2: So I know that Instagram isn't your full-time job. You have another job and and all of your account is very much about uh, sharing your experiences as a working, just normal mother. Yeah. Kind of the kids aren't massively featured, but you talk about them a lot. Yeah. And I think one of the things that's really interesting in your feed that does so well is I do think that people come for the comments. Which is a, against the rule, yeah. against the law of Instagram, is that you're meant to not. But, but I do actually think yeah. you are a brilliant writer, and I think that people come for your content a lot. And um, how much time
3: do you think you put into it? Because because it, it isn't your full time job. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of writing a caption that can for a good caption, the, the ones that people come back for and say you get a lot of positive feedback. I mean. I can have that in my notes and spend a couple of days rewriting it, editing it, but like, time wise, you know, you could spend half an hour to an hour writing a caption, deleting it, thinking that's absolute crap and starting again. A lot of people who do use Instagram, just the captions very much last minute and it's all about the picture, but yeah, (laughs) but if you're into that, then that can take time, but then. Um, It depends what your content is. But for me, the time, what is time consuming is making sure I've got the right light to be able to take a decent picture. And then you can set everything up and you've tidied up the room. You've maybe restyled stuff so you're showing something different, not the same corner all the time. But then the lighting's awful and no app's going to really make it look any better. And then you've got to start again another day. Um, For example, winter, it's horrendous trying to fit that in with a full-time job, being in the house when it's light and tidy, Mm -hmm. and the kids aren't just throwing their rubbish everywhere, whereas summer it's a lot easier. So you can put a lot of time into just setting it up and trying to organise it, Um, just the photos, but then I think what's more consuming... Is replying to every comment, replying to every DM and making sure that you give something back to those followers as well.
2: 100%. That's such an important part. yeah. Yeah, and it
3: does. And it's not sometimes there's people I've got relationships with who have gone for two or three years now. And that's quite natural. But then there's always new followers, new people, and they're desperate to get their account seen and to connect with people. And you just don't have time for you, but you've got to find that time. Otherwise, they're going to get bored or they're going to lose interest with your account. So. And it's not social
2: media. And then yeah. any brand wanting to uh, engage with you, which I think Gemma, um, with any any brand wanting to engage with you as a potential influencer, is really interested in your engagement, isn't it? It's your yeah. relationship with your, yeah. your audience rather than just if your picture is is good, really. But so Gemma, I was thinking you are particularly interested in and focused on, we know that it's uh, social media marketing, that kind of influencer marketing is a trend in social media that's just not going to go away. It's grown more in the pandemic than ever. And um, so I wondered what you would ask Fran about that really.
1: Yeah, I've got um, a couple of questions to ask you, Fran. Um the first one is around if you've got any advice for businesses using influencers, um, if they've been contacted by one and the influencer's promised some posts and some promotion and they've actually sent out some items to said influencer, um, but then the influencer hasn't done what they promised promised, um, hasn't shared anything on social media. And then when the, the business is going back to them and reaching out and asking them to share some stuff, um, based on what they've sent and they're just being ignored. Is there any advice around that? Because I see a lot of, I've seen a lot of stuff online in like forums and stuff where people have said they've sent um, different influencers, different things to promote and then they haven't done anything. Is that just a risk that you take? Um, or is there, a, is, there, is there a way that you can word things? Is there a message that you should put with um the item that you send that you're asking for help with is is do you have like a, I don't know, do you have a, a process? Do you have a structure that you follow each time or does it just depend?
3: It does vary with different brands, small businesses to big brands. Um, but I do think my advice to um, people who are trying to app, um, reach out to influencers is be really clear and set up some sort. Of um, document that through DocuSign or something where they right. have to agree to your terms and what you want, so it's very clear.
1: So, like a little, like a mini it, contract or something.
3: It does not yeah. have, and especially include definitely deadlines, your expectations, but your expectations on each post. So, like story reels and grids are very different, mm-hmm. but you need to be really clear, like what hashtags you want to be used. Um, your product, if you want it in um, a more set, like a far setup, or you want it to be quite natural. I mean, I've had a lot of brands approach me and just say, oh, we just want, we really like what you do and we just want you to be creative with it. And that's great because you put your own finger on it, but then you feel like, well, you can't come back to me and then say, well, we don't quite like that at the end. But if it's very clear from the outset that this is what we want, we want one post, we want it to go, out at this time and we want this hashtag, we want the caption to include this, but then we want your own bit on it. And then do you agree to that? Does that sound great to you? And over DocuSign, I've signed some things and we're both really clear on what the expectations are. The problem a lot of small businesses have is when they're I think they feel they just want to gift the item, mm-hmm. but then they might have an expectation, but they've just sent it. They've got, the, oh, can I send you this in the post? Can I have your address? The influencer's like, yeah, great, send it, in And they're busy with other stuff. They're getting paid collaborations, which are taking priority, or have other jobs, which are taking priority. And it just gets put on the back burner. But that small business or that small indie business is desperate for this.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, that's
3: really huge to them. They've sent out something for free. It's cost them money, and they just want... But they've given it as a gift, so the influencer, if it's done that way, won't feel they're tied to them at all. It'll just be, oh, they sent me this. That's nice. I'll get round to doing that at some point. But if it's set out very clear in the beginning on what your expectations are before the products even sent, or we'd love to send you this, but we're looking for this in return, and it's really clear, then I think that would be the advice I'd give. Because otherwise, if it just a gift arrives and the whole term of gifting. Well, it's a gift. It's a gift, So yeah. I've got no, I'm not tied to anything. And you set, I think as a brand, you set yourself in like a difficult position that you can't, like you said, they mm-hmm. might feel that they haven't got what they wanted, but the influencer hasn't really seen it as a business transaction. They've more seen it as like, all right, that's nice. They've sent me this and I might do it next month if I remember.
1: So probably I guess just it might as
3: well.
2: Like, Sorry, it might not fit. How do you choose who to work with? Like, it might
3: not... People might send you stuff that doesn't fit fit your values. I do... I have been approached by quite a lot of different brands, and I'm quite honest when I don't think it's going to work. If I wouldn't buy the product myself, I wouldn't be tempted to buy the product myself. I think, well, that's not for me. So there might be certain things that people would approach me about and think, it's not quite my taste. It doesn't fit with the house. I wouldn't have bought it anyway, so... I'm not going to do it as um, a collaboration on the product, like a PR gifting product. Um, If the company then is willing to pay you and you're going to get paid for the post and it then becomes um, more of an advert than a collaboration on a PR product, then you've got to weigh up, right, well, if it was my full-time job, say, some influencers are, That's their income, isn't it? They've got to take those opportunities when they can, regardless of whether the product is right. But you've also got a danger then of my followers acting like this. And it's very clearly going to come across as a paid ad that I'm just making some money on. And they're investing in you, I think, as an influencer, as an account, an Instagram account. They're looking for inspiration. They like following your journey. They like Seeing what new products you get, and if it feels that you are almost selling out just to make money, then I think you're gonna lose, it's gonna turn yeah, it it's yeah, it's turn yeah. So you are gonna end up drop like dropping engagement, but also losing followers as well. So yeah, it's a fine line choosing the right product and how often you sell through an account, which is an as an influencer, because if it is all selling and all ads, or they feel The account is turning that way, then I think you're going to lose quite a lot of engagement and you're going to probably lose the enjoyment yourself. But it's you're doing it as a job rather than because you're passionate about whatever you're trying to showcase. I think on Instagram,
1: did you say you had another question, Gemma? Uh, I've got another two ones. One probably ties in a bit better with obviously what we're talking about. Um, so A lot of businesses obviously can't afford to use celebrities, so they do use influencers, but obviously influencers don't have the same type of like media training as celebrities. They haven't been like vetted. They don't work for a specific agency. Um, They tend to have been people who've started like social media or maybe gone on a reality TV show. Um, Maybe it's had a YouTube channel where they've done like storytime videos or whatever, and that's how they've blown up. but you do see them sometimes involved in like scandals. So um, maybe like James Charles, the beauty guru from YouTube, he was involved in quite a big scandal recently. And I guess it's just to get an idea, is there anything that a business can do to avoid being drawn into a scandal and um, when the scandal hits and anything really that they can do in advance to like any any kind of research or anything that you would advise somebody to look at in advance um i know you talked about the contract there um could you put specific things into a contract um about obviously behavior because it, it's difficult when it's yeah. an influencer because they, they don't you know like a celebrity or an actor or whoever they've gone through specific training having their wearers you, you tend not to find that if it's just somebody who's doing like video gaming and talking about that on their YouTube channel and then overnight they've got this massive success, you know, it's kind of different. It is.
3: And I think there's a definite risk factor there. Um, and I do think that the advice I would give is make sure you spend a lot of time, if you're choosing an and looking through the posts, looking through um especially in the captions, what but also how they respond to comments as well. (laughs) It can tell you a lot about maybe how professional they are and how they're using. I mean, I fortunately haven't had many negative comments. I would say I haven't had a trolling experience and things, but I think it's how influencers react to that as well will tell the brand a lot about what type of personality and maybe how risky they are. Because if you get an influencer who is quite aggressive to responses, mm-hmm. um, maybe.
1: Steer away, yeah.
3: i would be wary about that. Um, because how professional they are, applying to comments, applying to DMs, um, and on their stories as well, will give you a, clear, a good indication on whether you're going to have somebody who's going to maybe create some scandal later on that your brand's going to be associated with um i'd also say that try and google them as much elsewhere not just on the instagram Mm -hmm. see what the what the platforms are on um twitter's a good one because people tend to be a bit more um if you've got an instagram account for example or a facebook page then there might be some other platforms that you may be a bit more free and easy with and just see if there's anything going on there so like but in the contract as well, for your brand, you can say specifically, um, we don't want any profanity, we don't want any pictures with alcohol, a lot of people don't want um, children Mm -hmm. involved as well, they want to make sure it's just like adult for their brand or whatever, so you can put in that contract you set up and that you're going to ask them to sign what your expectations are in terms of things like that, so at least when your brand or your Um, product is being shown that influencer you've clearly stated this is what we want this is like our um, expectations of how someone behaves when they're promoting this brand
1: and if there was like a situation like with a scandal or something, is it better as a business if that was something that hit the news or like people were talking about online um, and mentioning you were getting tagged into it? Is it best for you to make a statement or is it best for you to sit back and say nothing? Or again, is it subject to the like the type of conversation or the scandal that they've been involved in?
3: I mean, it, yeah, it would depend. What type of scandal it was. And obviously, if it's something that your brand or you as a person, if you were promoting, really sat uneasy with you, say um, some sort of remark or a sexist remark or something that you thought, no, this is completely wrong, then I would advise, yeah, take a, stand. Put a statement out there yeah. saying, we're really unhappy about this, it's out of our control, it's not what we agree with as a brand, to just make sure it's good. And like because there's nothing worse than being sat around when something's going on out of your control. And you feel like you're getting drawn into it, but then just be open and honest and say, you know what, this wasn't what we planned. We're disappointed with this influencer, but we would like to reassure mm-hmm. our customers. And then, yeah, I would, I would personally say to put a statement out just so it, it's really clear that.
1: That and I, I think just the last thing, just quickly, fan again, which ties into everything, is obviously if you're a small local business. Is there a particular size of influencer that you would recommend reaching out for? Because I know obviously there's different versions. Yeah. You've got like nano influencers, micro influencers, mega influencers. Yeah. Do you, would you yeah. advise that you reach out to one that matches up to the size of your business and engagement and reach? Or would you go yeah. bigger, go smaller?
3: I would... I really would. I mean, you've got to also look at what that influencer's working with, what yeah. brands they're working with. So you might have someone like Lisa Dawson, for example, who is very professional. She works with a lot of big brands. Um, she, but when she was when we were first following her years ago, she would always shout out small businesses and stories, so you could send her something new. That expectation, so you knew she is a supporter of small. She supported brands. me in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. And I got a lot more work from products I liked and was really into, around 20,000 followers. So they would, I'd get a lot more contact of, um people around them because I think they were reaching out for somebody that wasn't too big, wasn't going to have huge rates, would accept PR collaborations. So you've got to think of your budget. But you've also got to think of... What are you competing with as well? What is that influencer showcasing? How has that gone down well? Um, and pitch it for the right influencer. And depending what you want out of it, whether it's exposure, whether it's more followers, whether it is actually people swiping up onto your products, getting more traffic to your website or online yeah. shop, then which level of influencer can really like depend on what you're going
1: to get out of it as well as the brand oh that's
3: good thank you darren do you
2: think uh people should spend their money with uh do you think it's a good idea for small brands to invest in such
0: content i think it's a really great question uh and i think you need to think about your plan or your strategy you may not even have one so you need definitely need to have a plan or a strategy from the beginning and i think it's about what like Fran was saying it's about thinking about what you want to get out of this so it, this is for the influencer just as much as it is for the business but overall if you're if you want to improve your um your following or your engagement levels um on social media um or if you want to get um traffic more traffic to a page and you can use your social media channels to do that. Then, influencer marketing campaign can definitely help you. I mean, obviously, you can use paid advertising as well, but they're both very different. Um, so, paid ad obviously will just appear in people's feeds, and and you'll either click on it or you won't, if it you know appeals of interest. Um, and it all depends on the message you've got with it and and with the image. The benefit you've obviously got with an influencer is that that person's already in the market that you're probably wanting to get to know or get to get deeper insights into. So you've already got, you you know, the benefit, you've got that there already, so you don't have to pay for that bit. So you're just paying for their expertise. And we've listened here today to Fran, you know, who obviously is a very experienced influencer and she's put a lot of effort and hours and she cares after her following. That's what you're paying for. It is. You, you know, is and people don't see the value of that. And I think it's a very. it always goes back to social media when people just go, even just come to, to me and say, right, I want some social media um, going out. And they just expect things to happen just like overnight. But they don't understand, even though you can sit there and explain how everything works, you know, they don't see that you have to research the sector, research the hashtags, understand the brand values, understand like the tone of voice, understand what it is in terms of what you want to get out of it or the imagery of everything you know it's not just as easy just throwing a few words on a page an image and i think that if somebody puts it in that in that way to you that oh yeah this is straightforward those are the people you should definitely be avoiding um but if you've got the budget and again this goes back to what Fran was saying you know do look around do shop around speak to different people i know i've been approached for influencer marketing people charging thousands of pounds like no, I don't, I personally don't have thousands of pounds to spend on a influencer campaign and I wouldn't even spend it on um, paid advertising. It's quite a high risk strategy unless you're very cash rich. Um, and you've got to be sure that if you do, you're going to get the data that you want to get out of it. Um, you've got to show you got a good strategy there. So have your plan, look at exactly what you want to get out of it, and then speak to people like Fran and cross question them a little bit about what it is, their expertise, how they're going to help you get what you want. And then you'll know instinctively if they're the right partner for you. Um, but definitely, like, fans a fantastic influencer. If you check out her Instagram feed, if you're in the interior sector, there's some amazing – I mean, the shots look so professional and the, the products look amazing. They look really enticing. I mean, it's the first thing in marketing, isn't it, anyway, that if you make the shots look really enticing and engaging, you want, you'll want to en- – click like on it you want to look into it if they just look like pictures you've just taken on your iphone like in your kitchen or your bad lighting you're less likely to do it you professional your you know your business might well be if the pictures don't look great then pe- don't expect people to, to click on it i was going to ask a couple of questions to you, fan um you've talked about best practice um, which is great. All the tips have been fantastic. And I've, I've learned a lot um, myself just listening to you. Um, but what do you think of the key ingredients for a successful influencer campaign?
3: Oh, so um, you've got to get the pitch right. So it's got to be the right product or brand with influencer first. That's the key. So um, also you've got to know the audience and make sure that you are um like not just putting an idea out there but putting it well thought with like you're saying the plan stuff but also thinking you mentioned about research the um hashtags the caption but I think you've got to keep it if you're an influencer has to come across as natural as much as possible. Anything too silly puts people off straight away. And I do think if your influencer you're working with has a style, you've got to let them keep that with your product. You can't force them. And I've worked with some people and said, right, we want this caption, we want this. And I'm like, right, that's great. That's what you want. But you won't get as much engagement with me putting that out there because my followers want my voice and my writing to come across so making sure that it is whatever the campaign is that it fits the product but it really promote the um, influencer as well so it feels like it is what the followers have signed up for, part of their feed quite a natural partnership, not a forced one
0: I think that's a really good point. I, I think probably for marketers listening to this po- podcast, that how many times you might say to a client, "It's like D- just give me the free reign to help you get what you want out of this," and it might go against what they feel, but you need to give you need to give that permission to do it. Otherwise, there's no point. There's no point in paying somebody to do something for you if you're just going to dictate all the rules otherwise you might as well just go and do it yourself and just get what you were going to get in the first place whereas you let you paying a professional to do it for you let them do the job um and change the tone of voice or maybe the image or the graphic to suit what's going to get the best result i'm um, always probably down to a good example if you're going to get your car repaired if you're not an experienced mechanic you wouldn't be standing over your mechanic telling them you know asking cross-questioning what to do and how to do things and you just let them get on and do the job and you make sure that the car is obviously drivable at the end of it. And that that's it. And I think that's the same with social media marketing and influencing that you need to let them sort of do the job and do the job well. Um, just one other quick question. Um, what do you think is the best influencer marketing campaign that you've seen? Oh,
3: um, it's funny at the minute because things are, seems to be changed quite quickly with wheels, and, you know, um, where, i was i'm very much the still shop very much works my feed and for interiors community as well but um i am i have been so impressed by some of the reels i've seen recently and really that i just thought, oh that's clever that's clever and it's and i think the ones which make you actually enjoy it as well so you don't feel like being so so um come down to the woods and brilliant one with wicks and it was uh, really clever just really light-hearted and fun and I just I do think the way reels are moving for um Instagram I would I would recommend if you are going to be influencing I would go down that line if you can um because this, the still shot is sort of not getting as much feature stuff but it with the brand it can the static, it can be quite dull in some ways that you thought, oh, I've seen this before. By reels you can be really creative at the minute. So I would say some of the best campaigns out there with influencers right now are where the reels are quirky, they're clever, they're funny. That you sort of you at the end of it you just think, that wasn't an ad, that was just like quite good to watch. And it
2: and um, it's it's so I know there's a big backlash about Instagram and this move to video content. And there's a, that's another whole podcast. But I think that the growth of Reels allows a load of, um, chance for Instagram to get back to its roots where people are so creative and so imaginative and it's for free. You know, they're doing it on their phones and they're doing it in their sitting rooms. People are investing a lot of time hours and hours, and and that can be seen, can't it? But they are clever and they are funny and they are giving... Massive brands, you know, a real run for their money. What people, people we know are making up in their living rooms. You, I can't imagine what, you know, companies in London sitting in posh offices, they really must be terrified because these people are coming up with influencers are making marketing campaigns that blow their socks off. They're very, very good and and done for cheap and done for free. And so they deserve the revenue. And, and I think you touched on that. I know how many hours, um, Fran invests in her Instagram as a hobby and as a passion and and her audience, not for the monitoring side of that, but as that relationship with that community. And I think all of this is is about that and Instagram being that community which some brands are wanting to use for their own purpose. And again, that's a a path that everybody has to navigate, isn't it? I think sometimes influencers get a bit of a bad rep and that's not doesn't have to be the truth and it doesn't have to be the way uh it goes does it, it it's about everybody's integrity the brand's integrity yeah. and the uh and, and as a brand you have to decide where you want to place your product right? and as an influencer you have to decide where you're gonna uh what you're gonna sell or if you're not gonna sell yeah. or or if you want to. i know for example brand friends uh, fran does a lot for free the bars and the restaurants and the um, just small indie businesses in our town. That's a lot of your content, isn't yeah. it? You just love where you live, and and that's yeah. that's your kind of story, isn't it? But that's yeah. that's not paid. influencing. Oh, no! Don't no, no. even get
3: a free
2: drink. Yeah, you don't. should not even get fifty p off a of hot chocolate, Josh. I'm talking to you. And signals. He doesn't listen to us anymore. Um, <laughs> So it is. uh it is a really, really good topic. I think we could ask Anne um, to talk for hours, and uh, and we would say thank you for coming. It's been a pleasure. You might a pleasure. think of you might think of like wanting to come back. You might want to think about maybe in the um, future we could do a a revenge of the influencer. <laughs> <laughs> you could come and tell us the horror stories of working. Who is your favorite brand you've ever worked with? Oh, so, it's obvious,
3: yeah, I like them. All. I like them not, <laughs> but uh, like, what about your big paying friend? Um, I really like the campaign I did with Barry. That was really good fun. Yeah, it was just, yeah. And what they allowed us, and what they wanted, was just snapshots of lockdown, and I yeah. had quite a lot on my phone, and it it wasn't yeah. it was just worked because it wasn't I wasn't creating.
0: Who was that with? with Sorry. There. Tell
3: them.
0: Who was that with? them
2: just quickly. Give it. will he, oh. tell them what. That last, because that I think that was an awesome campaign from the very marketing uh, agency. They 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 captured the tone and a moment yeah. down, and, and i not tell you about it. But it was so clever.
3: Yeah. So they're very were bringing into. They wanted to start up more. Um, I think that what they wanted was to tap into their. Um, interiors side of there. So, very, very much. Clothing brand, electrical brand, an got, online catalog, online. But they,
0: oh, very they, right. They, yep, got yeah, it.
3: They wanted to bring in that they, bringing up their home side of it, and they got in touch with quite a few influencers, varying different followers. Yeah. There was some working at ten, around ten to twenty thousand. some higher up around me, fifty to sixty thousand, and then there was some mm. hundred plus, and they just um with the theme tune, Our House uh, Madness, just said, oh, f- the first one, we just want you to show how your house has been used this year in lockdown. So I had um, I used it for yoga. i be doing Zoom online, so I had me falling over from headstands and the kids doing gym workouts and PE with Joe in a breast, yeah. yeah. We turned it into a pop-up restaurant, which was your idea, and Nick and just lots of little footage and it was just like a little montage of the year and it was really but with the our house theme song which is really catchy and then they did three other ones like how to spent Saturday night so that one was we got I got the boys dancing on the table in my high heels and we were um doing lots of got the jukebox on which we've got and had some little bit clips of that and then third one was about um we did. The night. taking gone
0: out of my head. I can't remember.
2: remember. But, but they just made it, they didn't do much and it was it was like a mainstream television campaign and they launched it in very much okay. with like Ant and Deck on a Saturday night yeah. and they so these these it's made for Instagram adverts were actually on prime time television, like made of people's homes and very were very aware, very, very aware of the power of that kind of influencing. And it was so clever. It was very raw, not edited, very authentic, all the values of Instagram, but, you know, played super well. And also echoing all the brilliant um values of lockdown all the all the wanting to be together the fun that we've had in our homes it was just very very clever and yeah. it, and it was a real thrill that you were part of it oh, we were in. so excited
3: in our house watching it yeah <laughs> and like stuff on the specs and yeah, huge yeah. things with it as well it was, it was really really good and, and then yeah they took some i didn't get picked but they did take some um influences for their main tv ad didn't they on the snippets mm. and stuff so it all came together on lots of different levels oh, that's
2: great really it was good. really good but yeah yeah you've, you've done um, exciting things yeah well, I think more exciting things to come and uh, everybody should follow only girl in the gap and see how this goes and and, and watch and and see how frank continues to to grow her account really
0: Thank you so much for your time. We've, we're running out of time, but uh, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. I, I think, well, I definitely learned loads. And I think Jamie yeah, did as well because he see lots of uh, heads nodding in the background and I hope everybody listening heard um, loads as well. Um, so thank you so much for listening to the, today's um, podcast. If you've got any questions um, for Fran, we'll put the links in, in the show notes so you obviously can reach out to Fran um, it's helpful if you're interested in working with her or if you've got any questions for us for a future podcast um, episode and um, with fan do get in contact with us and um, we've got a new podcast coming up in september so make sure you uh, you stay tuned and put your notifications on um, but until then keep well
2: bye, bye. bye.